Welcome to Epiphany Fellowships Podcast. My name is Dr. Eric Mason, lead pastor and founder of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Our desire is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in every week to check out new messages. God bless you and take care. Amen. Amen. Experiencing the love of Christ is the greatest experience in the universe. And it transforms your idea of what love is, knowing him that in while you were yet a wretch, while you were yet a mess, Christ died for you. He didn't wait for you to get it right. He got it right on your behalf. And see, some of you don't realize how much of a wretch we are, but if it had not been for him and his greatness and his might and his power and his commitment to you on your best day and on your worst day with your worst sin on the worstness of the messiness of how messy the messy triflingness could get on that day is the day he decided to love you. He loved you, he loved you, he loves you in spite of you and one of the greatest things to be able to experience is experiencing authentic eternal love. Um, and that's why I love the fact that it says while we were sinners, he died for us and that God demonstrated his own love for us by making that great sacrifice. And so um, welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's second Sunday morning gathering. How many of you are glad to be here today? Amen. 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 Just an update on um, my wife. She's still in the hospital. Hopefully she will get out today. Lord, say the same. Um, we're praying and, um, you know, it's been a hard season, but we've, we've it's, it's one thing when you experience a hard season, it's another thing when you experience the wind of God's grace. Um, you, could just ex- you could just sense that, um, that God is up to some great things and he's nurturing her, strengthening her, giving her grace even in the midst of uh, waiting. And so keep her lifted up. We're hopefully just she get here today. Um, but there's so many um, things I need to journal about God's time. Never let a time where God allows you to go through a time of suffering to put you in a place of bitterness. Um, Because God is good no matter what you go through. Um, Matter of fact, the hell you're going through is really a downgraded version of what you really could be going through. And so it could be worse than whatever you're going through. Um, But God, um, some people say that God doesn't put on us more than he can bear. Yes, he does. The only time he doesn't put on you more you can bear is temptations that you get yourself in. Let's quote the verse right. But if you go over this, because that makes us sound powerful. We like to be powerful. So God, you know, God won't put on me more than I can bear. But actually, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, that he did put on us more than we could bear to the point to where, listen, he, he, he says, well, we despaired of life itself. But then he goes from there and then he says, but this was done in order that we may trust in the one who raises the dead. And so sometimes God just, God, God, I, I, don't, I don't try to explain what God is up to. God never asks us to, to say, you know, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily ask God why anymore. I've, I've been through a, enough to know why isn't a great question. Because that, why is not what God is doing. It's what and who is what he's doing. And God wants you to know what he's up to, and that's why he asked you to ask for wisdom. And I'm getting so much wisdom from the Lord about so many things I'll share one day. 
um, when I feel free to do it. But it's so, much, so many things I'm learning. Sometimes you want God to let up. And God's like, I'm still working. I love you. And you being in this, and some of you may be going through now, you being in this is not a sign of hate for you. But it's a sanctifying love for you and commitment to you. Now, don't, don't exalt yourself and say, well, the reason why you're going through this is because God trusted you with it. We always want to make it about us. It's always about him. Um, God doesn't trust us with anything that Christ ain't into. Amen. And so we thank the Lord and we pray for God's grace. Well, don't forget Diamond Festival's in a few weeks. And we're excited to um, be able to participate in loving our community and sharing his grace, sharing his mercy with our neighborhood in loving kindness. And as you stand well, for the word, um, don't, um, don't, as you stand for the word, yeah, there you go. Um, don't be duped into thinking that all we're going to do is an outreach of giving stuff away. We're going to be talking to people about Jesus Christ um, because an outreach um, isn't an outreach unless it reaches into people's souls. And so we want to make sure that we see our, um, our time on the block as a mechanism for proclaiming the gospel through our lips. First uh, Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Um, um, chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. One, two, three, go. Amen. For our time together today, I'd like to talk about wealth and eternity. Wealth and eternity. Let's go before the Lord. Father, we honor you. Thank you for uh, the riches um, that we get through Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to um, see the whole counsel of God from your perspective so that it can change and transform our lives, Lord God. We have um, been in inspired and uh, we've been encouraged, but Lord, now, now we need transformation. Um, and so, Lord, what, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Um, in our culture today, there is an inordinate amount of focus on being rich. Um, everybody, um, it seems to be like a trend of really the end of all be all for many people um, is, 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 is I want to I wanna be rich. That, once I get bread, once I get loot, once I get dinero, once I get pesos, once I get the cheddar, my life will be complete and in place. But um, I want to let you know today that resources don't change your soul. They may change around you, but they don't change in you. As a matter of fact, if you have no character before you have money, you won't have any character when you get some money. Because actually money will only give you the freedom to be as wild as your character already is. And so um, some of us, by God's grace and by design, loves us enough that we, gon we ain't never gonna be rich. Now, I know that ain't popular from the pulpit, 
Um, I, I'm not talking about building wealth. I'm not talking about those things that are generational and 501, uh, 401k, 403. I ain't talking about that. You know, our Roth IRAs, you know, renting, flipping houses. Do your thing. But, but I, I want you to know um, right now that it is not God's will for everybody to be rich. <laughs> it's not going to be many amens on that because if I said, if God wants you to be rich and God is going to change your life and he's going to get you be up, you be running the aisle. You'd be running the aisle. I know how to do all that. He can put it on the B3. We got a B3 over there. I can, we can do that. But, uh, um, um, but, but, but God's will is not for you to be rich. God's will is for you to be a good steward. You missed that. Um, 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 because some of us, we don't realize that God is saving your life by not giving you what your character can't handle. <laughs> Help me today, God. And so, um, you know, we, we come to a passage that I think is great. I think it's good for us and it's sobering in an environment um, where everyone thinks they're being held back. Um, I, I'm, I'm being held back from everything that I can get and all of the resources and riches that I, that I can have. But one of the things I like about the scriptures is that the scriptures aren't scared of any subject. And, 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 um, and, and, and in this passage, we see Paul engaging the people of God about resources, money, or wealth. And we, we know that there is something going on in Ephesus because in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, Paul begins to tell Timothy he left him in Ephesus um, to, 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 to deter people from teaching unsound doctrine or false doctrines or strange doctrines. And so there probably was a strange doctrine going on about money, um, money, money. One of the things that's probably a clear background, it's a clear background of today that we can see is that people thought your financial status equaled a valuable spiritual status before God. In other words, if you had money, God loves you. If you don't have money, God kind of loves you. And, 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 that, and that has seeped into the church today where we have to be very, very careful of who and what we listen to that frames our understanding of what God loves, why God loves, and who God loves. And so Paul, in the beginning of this passage in chapter 6, verses 6 through 10, he begins to talk about prohibitions about pursuing money. And when he talks about these prohibitions in pursuing money, he talks about the fact that um, be careful of wanting to be rich all the time, you know, imagining all the time that if you had money and you, it, you, your life's going to be better. But he said those who build their lives around being wealthy or rich fall into a bunch of mess. Uh, the Eric Mason translation. He said a lot of pangs, one translation says, and he begins to talk about the challenges of those who are seeking wealth. But now in the latter section, he talks about those who have wealth. And what he begins to do is he starts saying, he says, I'm not demonizing having riches. He said, what I'm, what I'm challenging, though, is your disposition towards what God puts in your sphere. And so here in these verses 17 through 19, he gives last uh, ditched instructions in order to help those in the church who are the, have, uh, who are the haves, not the have-nots at this point. And he's talking to the haves about recognizing what they really have and what they really don't have in their riches. And so when we talk about wealth and we talk about eternity, um, this brings me to my first of three points. Y'all get three today instead of one. Verse one, I mean, uh, 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 point one, enjoy what God has given you without letting it corrupt you. 
enjoy what God has given you without letting it corrupt you. He says instruct. Somebody say instruct. The word instruct is interesting in the pastorals because um, it, it, it's, I love the fact that it's in the pastoral epistles. The pastoral epistles, for those who you don't know, an epistle is a letter. Pastorals are those letters that were written from a pastoral or a church standpoint to help the church to get its structure in place as the church had grown throughout, um, throughout um, the Middle East and, and everything and in North Africa. And so what they ended up doing is Paul sent these letters, uh, particularly to Titus and Timothy, to help them to make sure that the church understood some things about certain things that they were dealing with that's gonna hit us for generations. So when he says uh, 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 instruct, somebody say instruct, he's talking, about, he's talking about correction, somebody say correction, rebuke, and not only correction and rebuke, but also informing, somebody say informing, and somebody say encouragement. So we got correction, rebuke, informing, and encouraging. That's what the instructions uh, are a frame for. And instructions uh, uh, here, interestingly enough, is informing the rich, and he's informing the rich. Know why I like that he's informing the rich? Because he's not scared to talk to people who are well off. Now, 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 that may not make sense to you right now, but, 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 but there, are t there are times when there, there are those who, when they want what's in your pocket, not wanting Christ transforming your heart, what they will begin to do is they will molest your pocketbook in order to get resources for you versus telling the truth about you so your soul can be transformed. In other words, I like Paul because he wasn't scared to let uh, uh, those who were rich be mad at him. Now, uh, uh, um, uh, you, that, that's the type of healthy church environment we need. We, we need, we need, we need, we need, we don't need pathetic pulpits. We need prophetic pulpits. And, and what we need is those instructing to, to, to not just badger or shame people, but want your growth, want your development, no matter what phase of life you are, and not just trying to treat you a particular way because you're wealthy. But look, the text says rich. Somebody say rich. Now, in instructing those who are rich, you got to remember those who are rich in this era are those who have more than food and covering based on verses 6 through 10. So if you have a pair of running shoes, if you have a pair of dress shoes, a pair of casual shoes, and then some all-around uh, sneakers, you're rich. If you have skirts and you have dresses and different things to do to your hair, you're rich. If you have different types, of, if you have a suit, you have a sweatsuit, you have jeans, you have shorts. If you have seasonal wear, if you have fall gear, you have winter gear, you have spring gear, you got summer gear, and you can tuck them away and hold them and then have enough to hold you over in the season that you're in, the Bible will call you rich. If you are, if you are driving a car, if you can catch the bus or catch the train or catch the trolley, the Bible will call you in their era rich. If um, oh, I, I go on, if you got food in your cupboard and you got food in the freezer that you're freezing that you don't have to eat now and you're not just going day by day trying to find food, guess what the Bible will call you rich. So when he talks about this. Uh, 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 um, riches have to do with those who have more than their daily bread. So I don't know where you are in your life right now, but most of y'all in here are rich. If you're a college student and you can take a meal ticket and you can go to the cafeteria, and matter of fact, I've been to Temple Campus. They got Taco Bell, they got this cafeteria in this building. You can go over here in this building, you can get food. You can go over here. You can even go somewhere else and get a discount. You're rich. I know you don't feel like it, but biblically, you're rich. <laughs> And so when it says this present age, he lets you know, instruct those who are rich according to this present age, he lets them know that your riches have limitations because your riches can't buy you heaven. Your riches can't buy you favor. 
Now, now I know that seems elementary to many of y'all, but there are people that teach, if you give to the man of God in Jesus' name, you'll get healed. If you, if, 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 if you, if you bring it and drop it at my feet like the apostles, amen, you'll get a new car, you'll get a new house. You, you'll get, in other words, everything in your spiritual life flows through a false mediator behind a pulpit based on you giving them resources, and then all of a sudden, the stuff comes through somebody, but it doesn't come through the ultimate person. If a preacher sets himself up in your life as the mediator of God's blessings in your life, when the Bible calls Jesus the key of David, that is a false teacher and you should run for your life. Ain't nobody gonna hear me, it's okay today. And so, so, so as he walks through and he says, in this present age, he lets you know that your resources have limitations if you don't see them eternally. Let me say that again. Your resources have limitations if you don't see them eternally. The present age is the dash between the first and second coming of Jesus based on Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. So we're in the dash now, what we're called to live righteously, godly in this present age. And this present age is the time of sowing. Somebody say sowing. Now don't get scared as I'm talking about money and sowing that you think at the end of the service, now I got, I got to help everybody out because I can see scared eyes. Visitors, don't get scared. At the end of this, I'm not going to have a $5 line, a $10 line, and a $1,000 line. We already gave, um, and, and you know, uh, when the praise go, blessings come down, ain't in the Bible, so we're not going to... So, so, so we're not, we not about to fleece you for resources using a text on money on making me rich. A to the doggone man. Uh, you, know, you, know, you know we have a lot of church trauma. So that's why you have to qualify stuff in order for people to healthily see what the Bible says about subjects to, that should be communicated, but you have to eradicate the unhealth before you can insert truth. So, 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 so he goes here and he, he says, he says, instruct the rich in this present age not to be arrogant. I love this. In other words, what can happen when God blesses you is you can become haughty. Oh, y'all looking at me funny because you don't, you don't think. Um, you, you can become big-headed. Because what happens is, is when you can get what you need and what you want at your disposal, there's a disposition that you don't need God anymore. Uh, as a matter of fact, that's why I said some of y'all, it's a blessing that you don't have all you can get. Because some of us wouldn't be Christians if God gave you everything. You, you wouldn't, you wouldn't trust. Matter of fact, I believe God limits resources at times in our life to keep us praying. Help me today. Uh, 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 some closed doors are to remind you that no matter what you have, you can't do it on your own. And so God, God has, God, God, listen, listen, God caps you to keep you. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll, he'll cap you to keep you. But, that, but, but see, the, oh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But, but don't think, we're going to see in a second, just because you don't have it in your hands, you don't have it in him. I'm going to come back to that in a second. And so, and, so, and so what ends up happening is in the church, people, particularly in places where they have people cross ethnically, or not, not cross ethnically, cross economic statuses. You have to be careful of thinking that you're better than someone because they're not in your financial bracket. Be careful of thinking because somebody's on public assistance because they're lazy. You don't know everybody's story. 
and you don't know what they're going through. Be careful of how you talk about single mothers. Ain't nobody gonna talk back. Don't look down on people because of their status because I know some poor folk that'll pray you out of this neighborhood and, and knock heaven open praying. So don't, don't you dare think just because they're poor they're not saved. Help me today. That's why in 1 Corinthians, Paul jams the church up of Corinth about separating the Lord's table because the Lord's table is supposed to be the mighty equalizer to let you know that cross ethnically, cross culturally, cross, uh, uh, cross railroad tracks, uh, cross geography, that when it comes to the cross, everybody has to come with nothing but themselves. That's why I used to like the song when we used to sing at the end of service, just as I am without one plea. I used to like that song because everybody had to come to the cross just as they was, not bringing anything that adds anything because Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. So he says, don't be arrogant. He says not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. I like that. Um, um, because even if you're rich, that stuff uncertain. Uh, that, that, let, me, let me tell you something. Now, I'm not demonizing having resources. Don't hear me saying, well, Pastor, I got money. Why you? No, I'm not saying that. God blessed you. God blessed you. You, you know, I, I'm at it. But don't, don't, like, be careful of putting your hope in what it can do. That's why he says it's uncertain. Like, let, let me explain something to you. When the Roman Empire fell, everybody that was rich lost their money. In 2008, 2009, there was a, 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 a situation that happened in the United States that shut some people down that were pretty, pretty wealthy that had to start over. So you have to be careful because you don't know what can happen to you financially. And so you have to be careful of putting your confidence in it because if the world guts you, and all you and you and you and you and you're broken and you're 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 so disillusioned with God, it's showing you what you really were. Because the goal, the, because the goal, because the goal in God's economy is for that to be used, not you to be used by it. And so he says, don't put your hope in the uncertainty of riches. He says, but on God. I like that. But on God. In, in other words, in other words, let resources, don't view them as your source, but a resource only. And matter of fact, one of the things you have to know, no matter who you are, is ultimately, and this is what I love about this, is that ultimately, even though you don't have everything in your hands now, you have him. You, you have to understand that you're richer with him than what's in your hands. I, I'm, 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 help me today. I'm telling, I'm telling you for what I know. If you have him, you have more than the person that just got stuff in their hands. Let me see if I can make it plain. I don't know if you, you, you heard the story about the big dog and the little dog. So it's a, it's, it's a big dog talk to the little dog. He said, I bet you I can, I can open this door more quickly than you can. And the little dog was like, that. all right, big dog, do your thing. So the big dog went over and he put his mouth on the doorknob and he began turning the doorknob. He's making all this noise. He's making all this noise to open the door. He's growling and doing all this work. And after two, three minutes, four minutes, click, the door finally opened. Then he closed the door back with his mouth. And he says, now, little dog, you open the door because I know you can't reach it. You can't reach it. And little dog said, okay. Little dog goes up to the door and he says, poof, poof, and scratches it. And there's somebody on the inside open the door for him more quickly than the one 
who is doing all of that work to get the door open on its own. Even though everything isn't in your hands, you have somebody whose hands is on everything and everything is in his hands and all you gotta do every now and then is say a little prayer and scratch a little bit. Cause the Bible says, knock and it shall be open. And I'm just trying to let you know right now that even though you, your bank account is low, even though you don't have everything, if God gives to your needs, not your greeds. Let's see if you see, I, and, and I actually, I actually, every night, can I be real, real quick? There's some times where I get a little frustrated that God hadn't provided stuff in my time. I know I'm by myself. And, 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 God, and God, God says, You don't recognize that I got major keys. Oh, ain't nobody gonna talk back. Help me today. See, 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 Jesus Christ is called in Revelation the key of David. But, but in Matthew 16, he gave his disciples keys, plural. In other words, he has the key, but he's given us multiple keys. Let me see, let me see if I can make it plain. Uh, 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 um. See, Jesus, we, 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 we got different keys to different doors. I'm going to talk about this in the fall when we go through spiritual warfare. Prayer and different things, they're, they're keys. But, but, but Jesus being the key has the master key. Okay. See, what we have to do, I don't know if you've ever seen one of them, one, one of them custodians. They had like 300 keys on there. And they had a little thing they pull out. They had like 400. I mean, I don't even know how they fit on there, right? And how they know which key is which. But all of these different keys. But, 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 but once, one day... The CEO of the company came in and, some, and the, 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 um, uh, the, the janitors weren't available. And so somebody needed to legitimately get through a door, but they didn't have access to it, but they needed to get legitimately in. So as the, as the CEO was walking in, uh, the worker had on their badge and they said, sir, I know you're the CEO. I don't have the keys to this room, but do you know of anybody that can get me in this room? And he pulled out one key. And this key was to everything in the building. It's called the master key. And no matter what hole he put that key in, it unlocked because it was the master key. He didn't need a whole bunch of keys hanging on this side. All he needed as the owner of the company is one key, Jesus Christ in your life. Even though you don't know what to do with the keys in your life, Jesus Christ by his grace, by his mercy can unlock everything in your life for his glory. Put your confidence in God. Put your confidence in God, not in riches because you're already rich if you have him. It says who richly provides everything to enjoy. I like that. God, 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 God doesn't look down on us enjoying things. He just doesn't want us to worship enjoyment. I'm telling y'all this good teaching for y'all. You, you, you have to be careful of worshiping enjoyment um, because enjoyment can be a functional savior if you don't recognize the one who gave you the ability to enjoy. In other words, your joy is only as joyful as connected your, your enjoyment is to the one who gave it to you. Mm, that's good. Let me see if I can make it plain. So a few years ago, my wife and I got two free trips to Hawaii. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We got two free trips. We didn't pay for the trips, but um, you know, I got there and I, I just, I had never been to Hawaii. Now you gotta understand, you know, 
you know, living in this region, um, it can be a little different every now and then, you know? And so I went to Hawaii, you know, it's not just the no trash. Man, Hawaii's so nice that homeless people can survive. Like, people just be living in their car, they just go up a tree, you know, grab some food, you know, they got colonies of homeless people, and the weather's always nice. But what was crazy, man, I looked at the flowers and stuff, they don't even look real. And I was just looking, I said, this is so beautiful. Then I got up and I looked at the mountain. I'm glad the thing wasn't erupting. And I was looking at, I'm not trying to be funny, because it was an actual volcano where we were, which scared me half to death. And so we look, we looking at the volcano, my son looking off, and we just, I'm just like, man. But know what made it more beautiful? Is that I got to look at that beauty knowing who created it. And what it did for me is the enjoyment went up because I knew it was God that created it, not that it was just there. See, see, that's what it, God wants you to enjoy your life. You don't have to be guilted in your life. Enjoy your life as a believer. But as you enjoy it, don't forget about who gave it to you. Don't forget about who blessed you. Don't forget about who took care of you. Don't forget who made a way out of no way. Enjoy it, but don't forget him. I got to move. Next point, be generous with your money. Uh-huh, that, that was a forced amen. He looking, so I better say amen. <laughs> Be generous with your money. This is interesting, family. What I love about this verse, I think it's very, very important for us to understand. Instruct them to do what is good. Be rich in good works and be to be generous and willing to share. And this is beautiful because one of the things that I think it's very, very important is because giving has been corrupted by so many different people, we don't, we don't really see it from the biblical perspective that God has called us to. So let me give you some other major keys. Let me tell you this. If you don't tithe, you will not be cursed. If you don't tithe, you are not Cursed. You may not reap anything, but Christ died for the, under the curse of the law so that none of the curses of the law will come upon us. Actually, God upgrades giving in the New Testament from the Old Testament to generosity, not merely tithing. <laughs> anyway, now I believe tithing is a decent place to start, but, but, but when we talk about giving, generosity is a much bigger picture than tithing is. Um, um, so, so we look at this idea of giving, giving, this, 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 what, what Paul does is he does two things. We, I mean, one thing, this is very important. There's a difference between compulsion and challenge. Now, compulsion means you're, you're fleecing people to give. If you, give. if you don't give, God's gonna break down your car. That's nowhere in the Bible. If you don't give, you're gonna lose your job. Your pocket's gonna be empty. And, I'm just like, oh God, help me. Jesus doesn't repeat none of those in the New Testament. What it says is you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly, but there has to be a financial challenge. And so that, that, that's the other side of it. And the financial challenge is this, when he's giving this challenge, he's letting them know that giving is a part of your spiritual life. 
it's not the center of your spiritual life, but it's a piece of your spiritual life. Just like prayer is a part of your spiritual life. Being in the Bible is a part of your spiritual life. Being in biblical community with other believers is a part of your spiritual life. How you use your resources to steward them for God's glory is a part of your spiritual life. And so now, but most of us don't think that way because when we get a check, we just act like we, we, we just earned it and that was it. In other words, when the last time on the 1st and the 15th, you blessed the Lord when that check dropped? Lose your job, though. And you'll be, God, in the name of Jesus, I come before you right now, God, and I'm praying that you'd open up the window of the hey, the window of the heaven, and, bless, and you're going in. Then God blesses you and you forget where it comes from. You need to pause when the check drops. And you need to drop with your check and drop the king of kings, drop before the king of kings and thank him. But then he tells them to be generous. Somebody say be generous. Be generous. That means you need to be flagrantly thinking about how you can steward it, but also how you can give it away to others. And this is the beauty of what he's telling um, 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 these believers in, in, in this place. Because in the Bible, we see what's called storehouse generosity. From Exodus to Philippians, we see that the central place, giving to the local community. But then we see body generosity. Acts chapter 2, Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. We also see stranger philanth uh, philanthropic generosity in the parable uh, 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 of the Good Samaritan. And so we see that there are different ways in which God has called us to be generous. That's why we do what we do here. We try to, be, we try to give 10% away of what the church brings in to, to, to global missions. That means local and national, international missions and uh, work that we do in the community and raise more funding for those particular things because it's very important for us to be known by generosity. And some of you are looking at me like, like so look at the next point and then I'm out of your way. Build eternal rewards. Lastly, build eternal rewards. He says, Store, storing up treasure for themselves as a good, I love this, as a good foundation for the coming age. Remember he said earlier, present age. Now he's saying, <clears throat> use the present age for the coming age. So how do you use the present age for the coming age? He, he, it's beautiful because what he's saying here, when he says <clears throat> storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation, know, know who I, what I hear echoing? I hear echoing Matthew 5 through 7, where, 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 where Paul has been discipled in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, build for yourselves treasures that are imperishable with moths and thieves and can't get to it and rust can't get to it. But build for yourselves treasure eternally. So how in the world being on earth in this present age do we invest in a place that we don't see? This, this is beautiful. He says, building a firm foundation. At the latter part of Matthew chapter 7, he says there's two foundations. He says there's sand and then there's a rock. Now, there's, there, there's unstable places to put your resources, but then there's stable places to put your resources. And as you put your resources and your good works in the foundation that already exists, what happens is, is as, you, as, as, as you do this foundation, the foundation has already been laid. All you're doing is investing in what that foundation is bringing to pass. But what I like about this is he says, so that you may take hold of what is true to life. In other words, he's saying operate like you know eternal life is real. So when you invest, you got to know this. 
Rewards in heaven, everybody's going to equally get to heaven who knows Jesus as Savior. But everybody won't equally experience heaven. <laughs> yeah, ain't nobody talking right now. Uh, in other words, God has put things in your sphere for you to maximize. He's put resources, he's put talents, and he's put gifts, and he's put the ability through Christ's death to make sacrificial decisions for his glory. Based on how you maximize those things is how much heaven you'll experience. Now, everybody who knows Jesus, again, this is not to get into heaven. If you know Jesus, you're going. But then there's going to be those who experience a less of a heaven because they chose to be on the bench of life. Okay, let me see if I can make plain. Uh, 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 um, the, the, the Bible is just like basketball. Literally. People look at Steph Kerr, Curry and think that, that, that he was able to make those threes. He just showed up on the court and just started lobbing balls up. Nah. Nah. That's a hundred times a day shooting whack out, whack out, whack out, whack out, swish, swish. All day long and all day. Many people think of people that are in a particular sphere that they got there just with no sacrifices. But it's interesting that even when they won the championship, everybody got a ring, even the people that sat on the bench the whole season. Because they're on the team. However, they didn't get in the, a chance to get in the game to contribute putting points on the board in order that they may get credit and their stats can come up. That's level one. But then you got those who start, and as they start, they, they help win the championship. That also is a big up. But then from there, you got the championship win, but not only the championship win, but you also got an MVP. Only one person can win the MVP every season. But not only that, there's also the Hall of Fame. In other words, everybody won, but there are levels of rewards based on your commitment to the game. That's the same way it is in the kingdom. If you just want to be a mediocre, little lukewarm, left field, I don't want to sacrifice nothing, my life is about me, and you have a me-centered theology, then don't get to heaven looking at somebody getting to rule Yugoslavia and somebody else getting to rule Antarctica because he said, you've been faithful over a few things, now I'll make you rulers over many. Everybody ain't going to be queened and kinged in the kingdom. Now, we'll all in some way be kings and queens, but we'll have levels. There's levels to this. Jesus started that, not hip-hop. Let me get out your way. You know, um, I text my wife today. I text her. She's been in the hospital. She's been, been enduring. I wanted to encourage her. And I just text her, and I said, your reward in heaven is great. And I sent her that because I don't want her to think that what God is doing in her life in this season is in vain. Because she, she's suffering and going through a whole lot of different things and I never want her to think based on the scriptures that there's not reward because of what she's going through. As a matter of fact, God gave us a little hug the other day so I'm walking down, we're walking with the kids, we're about to leave the hospital. And a white nurse came up to me, um, very, very nice. And she said, she said, hi, pastor. And I was like, hi. And she says, you, I know you don't remember me, but I went to Temple 10 years ago. Not, uh, no, no, LaSalle 10 years ago. And a group of us used to come to Epiphany Fellowship. And I wasn't a believer. And you led me to Jesus Christ. 
Now to add icing on the cake, guess who she was serving? My wife. Let's just explain something to you. What you do here matters. I'm not trying to exalt myself, I'm trying to encourage you that everything in your life is an opportunity to steward things for the glory of God and for the changing of other people's lives. Your stewardship isn't merely about you, it's about investing in others because it's about the disposition of your heart, not just what you're gonna receive, but because of the goodness of God and because of the grace of God. I want you to learn how to be a generation that continues to flagrantly pour out your life, flagrantly invest in others lives and flagrantly invest in the kingdom and, and some and listen let me tell you this you're not gonna get everything now listen you have to recognize that God doesn't if you if you get everything now you get nothing in eternity save keep some stuff off of social media You don't have to post everything for self-congratulations on social media. Because the Bible says if you do it there, guess what? You got your reward already. Save some stuff and let some stuff intimately between, be between just you and God. Father, we thank you. We honor you. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Lord, I'm thankful for the ability, it's weird to me, that we get to invest in now, in the present age, invest really in the coming age through currently investing. Resources, Lord God, help us to be a generous people and help us to see our lives in light of what you've done for us. God, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would give us wisdom in how to be generous, how to invest in other people's lives who are in need and in your local community and giving not merely to an event but giving to Jesus not merely giving to a church plant but giving to Jesus ultimately and saying thank you through those things maybe you're here today and you've never placed your confidence in Christ Christ is on purpose our life and there's no life without him to be honest um, and if you place your confidence in him, God removes, removes off of you the wrath that you bear, anger that you bear. In the light of that reality, you can put your confidence in him and what he did on the cross and him getting up from the grave on your behalf. And when he gets up from the grave, you place your confidence in that reality and you go from spiritual disconnection to spiritual connection. If, 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 if you're here today and you've never placed your faith in Jesus. Putting your faith in Jesus means you believe that God is telling the truth. If you believe or affirm that God is telling the truth and want to affirm that reality through trusting Jesus Christ as Savior, hold your hand up in the air. We'd love to pray for you. Anyone in here today that says, yes, I want to, I, I want to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. Anyone in here today that wants to place their confidence in Christ and Christ alone. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, anyone, anyone, amen. Well, let our men come and let's um, administer communion. communion.
thank you for tuning in to today's message. I hope that it was a blessing to you and it was aiding in your life to help you to show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. If this message has been a blessing to you, we want you to consider partnering with us in ministry so that we can maximize what God has called us to do locally, nationally, and internationally. You can go to epiphanyfellowship.org, go under give and consider donating. Thank you. Take care. See you next week.